This is Agronomy Moment. I'm Wendell Cohen. Okay, welcome everybody to Agronomy Moment. This is season two. I've got the episode in front of me this time. I did a little more digging to make sure I had that episode seven. Um, today's topics, I've got Scott joining me here on a WebEx and we're going to roll with this and I hope we don't have too many technical difficulties, but they are. We apologize in ahead, ahead in advance, but we hope the information here is useful and it comes through well. So Scott, um, how are you this morning? Doing pretty well. It's a beautiful morning. Well, this morning. It is. Um, we have some chances of rain, but I'm hoping we tail off and get some beans in the ground. Um, it certainly has been a wet May, and we are going to actually talk a little bit about that. I have some interesting information at the end of the show that talks about May rains and the correlation to crop yield. Uh, did some digging yesterday on some of our farms. Let's talk about soybean planting though, for starters, depth in particular, Scott, um, how deep should we be planting soybeans here when we can fire up here in June? Well, our PFR proven is one and a half inches. Um, and if you look at the data, the yields in those studies tail off quickly as you move either shallower or deeper uh, from that one and a half inch depth. So one and a half has been my target. Um, I think that is very, uh, you know, I'll call that depth a good depth for about any situation. You know, sometimes we get guys wanting to go shallower to get the beans up quicker, and sometimes we go deeper to try to chase water. Uh, it doesn't appear that that's going to be a major issue this year in most geographies, but at that one and a half inch depth is pretty good. And I've rarely seen issues with emergence that we would not have, you know, not. I guess what I'm trying to say is in situations where one and a half was a problem, going a little shallower probably wasn't going to be a huge benefit. And uh, some yep. of the losses we would have taken for other reasons would have kind of negated that shallowing up. So, in fact, I would say that I, what we've noticed out here in the plot in the last several years is, is I've done different depth studies. Uh, we've observed that in some cases, even emergence was less even at half inch. Maybe it dried out. Maybe it got too hot on the surface. Whatever. And so there's risks there of planting too shallow as well. But That's anyway. PFR, like you said, is is proven, right? If the yields are best, if we can get that, emer I mean, get plant that inch and a half, the yields are the optimal yes, sir. there. That's correct, yep. Let's jump on to soybean planting and singulation. This is an interesting thing that I hey, came across here. What? Hey, Wendell, why don't you back up a slide? I want to go over a little bit okay. more about why that depth is so sure. important. Let's do that. Yep. I think that's kind of a critical component is, you know, getting those seeds planted at that inch and a half depth helps ensure that we get a nice root mass established in a little bit deeper uh, soil levels. Um, you know, when we have a shallower planting, the roots establish the majority, the plants establish the majority of the roots a little shallower. And so that's where you'll find most of your nodulation occurring is in a shallower component of the soil. And we need those uh, nodules a little bit deeper to help buffer them from temperature because when we think about nitrogen fixation in soybean plants, the ideal temperature is going to be in that lower half of the 70s, 72, 75 range. Uh, that's where we will maximize the rate of nitrogen fixation. And if we plant too shallow, shallow, the uh, nodules will form a little bit more shallow and the temperatures will be greater. And then that will reduce that rate of nitrogen fixation. So that's just one component. You know, we've talked about the emergence component, but physiologically having them a little bit deeper in that inch and a half range is a good thing for nitrogen fixation sake. Thanks for uh, bringing that into um, into this because um, that's really what we're at at the end of the day 
is that yield component. And the reason why that is, is because of that nitrogen fixing. Perfect. Singulation. Jumped in on this uh, a day or two ago, and I thought this is very interesting. Um, I don't even know that I was aware of bundle drop, to be honest, when last year's PFR, but I've been talking about singulation as it relates to soybeans. Corn, I think we've all come to understand that that is a given, um, that singulating corn, properly spaced corn has a yield advantage. Is there in soybeans? And that's what some of this PFR has um, started to study. Precision planting, 80 cell on the VSET meter, I think is a pretty standard cell plate. If we went to their 56 cell, what happens? And we start using singulation. I believe most planter monitors, at least the 2020, I believe will show the singulation on your screen and you're able to actually monitor how well you're planting with this 56 cell. I may be wrong, I have not seen this in person, but I think that's correct. And it's also made to plant seeds more evenly spaced, similar to corn. Um, so we're showing a yield advantage here, Scott. What are your thoughts on this? Well, this is three years of data at multi-location and we're finding the it's PFR proven that singulating soybean seeds is providing us about a bushel advantage overall. And, uh, you know, at the relative expense, I think it's somewhere near uh, 71 acres, I believe, to pay for. Yes. Uh, or was that for bundle drop, Wendell? I can't remember. That was for singulation, correct? I, no, I think it's right. You're right. For a, uh, for the 56 sale, if you add invest in that, I think you're correct. It's about 70, 71 acres on a 16-row planter at 12 bushel, uh, $12 beans, if I remember correctly. We can verify that here at, at some point. But uh, anyway, you know, when you think about singulating corn, uh, the benefit of that as far as uniform plants, more uniform root mass, uh, better stalks, you know, when you get equidistant spacing between the plants, it's similar for soybeans. You get a more uniform plant uh, that's able to do its job uh, producing yield more effectively than if we have um, uneven spacing throughout the, the field. Now, granted, it's probably not as critical in soybeans, obviously, as what you'd have with corn. But again, in our studies over three years at multi-locations, we're finding it about a bushel advantage to singulate in the soybeans. That's interesting. Um, enough that it pays for itself. Again, they're not showing huge differences, but it does pay. And then we're going to talk about this bundle drop here in just a little bit and, and explain that just a little more. But I do have another slide here showing the three-year singulation yield average that Scott was referring to. Um, am I correct, Scott? Which Where was this location again? Was this Southern Illinois for 2020? I believe this was the Southern Illinois location. It has to be, I believe, from 2020, possibly, because I know that in the multi-year, um, three-year data, it's about a one-bushel advantage across the whole geography. So this has to be a single location, and I believe it was Southern Illinois. Yep, and that's, but if you think about, I'm just going to use a 1,000 acres of beans. By the When you farm a 1,000 acres of beans, by the time you cover that amount of acres, if there's a bushel advantage, you know, that at $12, that's $12,000. Um, and it costs a 32 row planner, I figure is less than $2,000 to buy the plates. Um, their observation here was soybean singulation creates a more uniform stand and has increased yields over three years of testing. Bundle drop, let's tag, jump into that now, plants groups of soybeans to give an extra push when faced with soil crusting. Bundle drop is in its first year of testing in PFR. So, I'm not going to put a lot of uh, value in the data we're seeing yet, 
but it's interesting. It's a novel idea to me, especially here in Southwest Missouri. And Scott, can you talk a little bit about why this might be something of interest? Well, this is kind of interesting. You know, if you look at the plates, I don't know if you have that slide next, Wendell, or not. Yes. But if you look at the plate, the seeds are dropped in groups in bundles of uh, three to four seeds. In this case, with these plates, it's four seeds in a bundle. And, you know, when we think of some of the tough acres we cover in Missouri, as far as cresting goes with the heavy rain events, having those plants grouped together is allowing them to give each other a little more push. And, you know, <clears throat> I hear guys talk about this quite a bit uh, in uh, 30 inch rows, you know, you have more seeds stacked per inch of row. So we seem to have a little bit more uniform emergence. And I think this year in some of the fields I've been in, we've actually seen that. I think Wendell in your plot where we uh, did a little bit yeah. of, um, we had the uh, narrow, we had higher pops in wide rows, we could see a difference in emergence due to the plants being much closer together at those high pops versus the lower pops. So there's something to this. And again, like Wendell said, this is a, the first year of our study, but we are seeing advantages, uh, particularly with uh, deeper seeding depths, uh, but also in cresting situations where we have the bundle drop is showing an advantage over the uh, non-bundle drop. So I think we need to give this a couple more years of uh, research so that we can verify what we're seeing and uh, we'll get back with you guys at some point down the road. But this is actually a, a pretty interesting study that we're kicking around right now. Especially since our last episode, episode six, if you go back on on the YouTube channel, guys, and check it out, um, we talked about that, what we observed in this plot out here and how the higher pops were giving us the fellows, their um, comrades were pushing with each other yep. and being able to push overcome maybe some of the crusting and the pounding rains that had occurred above them. And what if you could use a technology like this someday where you could bundle it, still have the lower pops for your increased yield and performance, but also give each other that boost in the row, <laughs> in our narrow row situation. Anything else you want to add, Scott, before I no, I think this will be interesting for us to keep an eye on this summer and see how the trials look, and we'll let you guys know. Sounds good. We're going to jump now to nitrogen in corn. We've had a lot of rains in May, and I always get nervous. I don't know why. It's, I, I probably shouldn't, but it just, when we get this amount of rain, I see the corn not going through its ugly phase. I'm like, is this ever going to change? Scott, what's some thoughts on nitrogen and importance of what we need to be doing? Well, there's a couple of things related to this, what you're calling ugly corn, because we are in ugly corn stage in a lot of fields and some fields are actually pulling through this now, you know, as we get into yep. that uh, V6, 7, 8 stage, you know, we get closer to shin high corn. I'm starting to see a bunch of fields darken up and get going, get out of the ugly corn stage. But that's not to say that there aren't some situations where nitrogen loss has been fairly significant. You know, we've been warm. We had that really warm week here, what, about three or four weeks ago, we were in the 90s, conversion of our nitrogen. You know, we've covered this recently, so I'm not going to dig into it a lot. But I think the fact that we continue to have saturating rainfalls is contributing to higher rates of loss. You know, with the conversion to nitrate being pretty much complete in most fields, anytime we have saturated components of the field, we're losing nitrogen. So I think with this continued rain, it's just outlining the importance of everyone having a plan in place. If they intend to uh, put some extra nitrogen on their corn, I think that would be a benefit, but having a plan in place to be ready to do that, because um, likely there'll be a lot of folks wanting to do that. And so the timeliness of being able to get something applied could become a challenge this year. So make sure you have a plan in place with however you're going to make those applications occur if you do intend to do that. Yeah. And 
even even as we consider all the rains we've had, it's still important. And for reference, if you go back to episode five, I believe that was when we had Alex Long here joining us. Um, you can we jump into the nitrogen aspect of what all takes place there. Um, now to, to kind of underscore the importance and why it can affect you at the end of the year with your yields, I want to jump to this chart here. This is data I pulled from Farm Server on rainfall or radar estimated rainfall. For the last five years and the and the yield effect of the different rainfalls in May. So this is April 30 to May 31 rainfall. And Scott, you have any thoughts on what you want to contribute here to this chart? Well, I think what's interesting is you look at some of those years, uh, like for instance, look at 2019, you know, and, and I know this field has pretty good drainage in it, I believe is what you've told me, Wendell. It's yes. a high yield uh, field on yes, your operation. But yep. still, that being said. The rainfalls that we saw in 2019, almost 16 inches in that month period, yet the overall yield potential is still there. That field averaged 210 bushel. And I believe you told me that field had some brittle snap in it and, and it some, some areas of reduced yields due to brittle uh, or green snap. But yet you had areas where the green snap didn't occur using the 220s. So the yield potential was there, right. even though we had a very heavy uh, rainfall year uh, high volume rains and uh, i think that's the importance that we don't throw the towel in on farms right now even if they do look a little peaked and uh, yellow uh, as the nodal roots continue to develop we get a little juice of nitrogen out there if needed there's still a lot of yield potential in these fields and we need to make sure that we don't uh, hinder that by limiting those fields in terms of uh, fertility yeah that's this information here uh, is what i wanted to share and why I thought it was important just to bring the nitrogen piece up again. If you feel like there's that field you kind of given up on or not sure, it can still be worth it because of what we're seeing here. The May rain does not correlate well with final yield. Um, in 2021, for example, last year, we only had 5.8 inches of rain in May and a lot of rain fell in June and July. And top dress occurred on this field to help it recover from what rains we did get in the spring. And there's still a lot of potential. Um, look at 2018, four days over 90 degrees, GDU 753, still had decent yield. And so it just, it just seems like there's no correlation. I can't draw any conclusions here other than it's still worth doing it. And I think drainage is also key. So I, I just thought it was an interesting thing. I'm going to guess What's that, that yield, the average rainfall for that month period is probably somewhere around five to five and a half is probably the normal. And so you can see how extreme a few of those years have been. And I, do you know that? Do you know what the average rainfall for that month of May is for that geography? Just based on a lot of the geography around here, usually the month of May is around a five, five and a half inch month, if I recall correctly. It's probably true. Yeah. I mean, we've trended higher, as you can see here, than we have, you know, probably in a 10 year period. I think our storms are seem to be more heavy here in May. Yep. But and just as a side note, it is a dry land field. So um so I'm I just want to make sure everybody understood we weren't helping it out with water later in the year, which would change the dynamics of data. Sure. Anyway, guys, Scott, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I don't I, that should cover us for today, I think. Very good. Guys, thanks for watching. Um Thank you again. Please follow us and like our videos on YouTube and different places. It does really help others find this information. Um, we wish you a very good year. We'll be back soon with more information and hopefully you found this helpful today. Thank you very much.
Everyone, thank you for joining us today on Agronomy Moment, a Top Ag Services production. If you want alerts on what we are finding in the field, go to topagservices.com forward slash signups to receive alerts or subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is our goal to bring you the most recent and advanced information possible. If you have any questions or feedback, feel free to reach out to us anytime. We also ask you that you give us a like and follow our channel wherever you listen to your podcasts or watch these videos. This ultimately helps us reach more people like you. Hey, this has been Wendell Cohen, your show host. Thank you to all who made this show possible. This show is over. See ya.